0: Cheers, dude. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Whoa. Good morning, good afternoon, good night. This is your co-host, Alex, of the Craft Heads podcast, and we have a special episode here today on episode 91. This is the, I think, sixth one-on-one, historically, as I've called them. I'm probably going to move away from calling them that. Because I want to talk about a specific niche or shtick or whatever it is about somebody that makes them so interesting. And the guest that I want to share with you today is Mr. David
1: Thayer. Hey guys, what's going on? I'm uh, honored to be here. I'm happy to have this opportunity. Didn't expect it, but I'm, I'm happy to be here, man. I,
0: I love dropping it. Yeah. I didn't tell you before you got here. I was like, everybody I told that you were visiting, I said, he doesn't know it yet, but he's going to be a guest <laughs> on Craft Heads tonight. Shit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so David and I go back quite a ways we actually went to the same high school together you're you one or two years older than just i one. Well, Just just
1: well i mean you were 2009 correct yeah it was 2008 so okay I
0: mean, yeah so just a yeah. single school year apart anyways mm-hmm. knew each other in high school hung out with some of the same friends keto is the one that yeah, always comes yeah, to yeah, mind yeah, yep. but um then uh david it, one of the things we're going to talk about is what he does for a living but uh because of that he came through atlanta about a year ago maybe Yep. Uh, He was uh, listening to Craft Heads. We actually did a wee little bit of business together. Again, we'll probably talk about that later on. We got together, and we had the pleasure of catching up. Tara was with us as well. So here we are today now with the second visit in Atlanta with hopefully many more to come.
1: Yeah, it's been awesome, dude.
0: And before we move on, uh, David, why don't you tell our listeners what you brought <laughs> to us as our drink?
1: Well, as I was scrambling to try to bring a uh, gift for Alex for having me over, I uh, stopped by a gas station that had uh, <laughs> yeah, that had this drink called uh, Long Drink. And it's by, I don't even know who... The Long Drink Company, apparently. That's what it says. Fascinating. The Long Drink Company. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And it says, Unique taste of natural grapefruit and uh, juniper berry flavors with gin. So it's it's kind of like a very berry... It's like a gin mixed drink? gin yeah.
0: drink in a can, and I also—it was not what I
1: expected. No, when I, when I took a sip,
0: it says the Finnish long drink. So I wonder if it is indeed something that they do
1: in Finland. I don't yeah, know. It looks like there's there's some big long story here. I mean, it, uh, well, I shouldn't say big long, just on the can. This is is a top selling uh, category of. Alcoholic beverages in Finland, a legend that is now available in America. The roots of long drinks go back to the 1952 Summer Games in Helsinki. The country of 4 million people was still poor and recovering from World War II. Full of pride for their country, the Finns wanted to give athletes and tourists an unforgettable experience. However, the officials had a concern. How to serve drinks quickly enough. To all the visitors, <laughs> Shit, like, how do I get these people drunk fast enough <laughs> to solve this? Uh, they came up with the with a revolutionary idea of a new liquor drink, and so the first long drinks were born. Now, this legend has finally been brought to America. The next generation of Finns who want the world to experience the refreshing, unique Finnish long drink.
0: David, I'm impressed. <laughs> Anytime <laughs> I have read off of a can or a bottle, or whatever, I almost invariably fuck up one time. It that was, was tough, dude. It was tough, and you yeah. did it quickly. Yeah, I don't know. Cheers to that. Uh, I need more drinks. Thank you but... for the long drink. Yeah, thanks, dude. Thanks for having me. We did have a single uh, pre-podcast drink. You had a Guinness and I had a um a, I had a weird drink that I'm going to have with Tommy on a later episode, so I'll save it as a surprise for the for the guests or the listeners rather. But anyways, David, there's there's what you do for a living and then there's a really unique thing about your own personal story. Yeah. and anything you're willing to share we'd love to hear about it so start which one do you think would be would make more sense to start with
1: yeah i mean i'll, well, I'll tell you what i'll just i'll give you a little bit of background on myself about Definitely. how i get into my career and then uh, and then we'll go um i'll come circle back around and talk about why i started what i did and, and kind of go from there perfect so i uh like alex was saying grew up in the same area same high school all that stuff and uh growing up my dad is an airline pilot, um, so I grew up flying. I grew up, um, we were, literally lived right across the street from the airport. I don't know if you if you realize that, but like where Anthony and I grew up, the same neighborhood. The, as in like Beaver I, County Airport? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. holy yeah, crap. Yeah. Like literally, I tell people a stone's throw away. There was a guy that I met recently. He was from Pittsburgh area and, and yeah. literally a stone's throw away. I mean, just, just right across the street from Luger's, you know, the, the groceries, the... Uh, the Blackhawk Black Super Rent Black or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black Hawk yeah, yeah. Deli Meats or whatever it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So we lived right across the street from there. Had a plane growing up. My dad um, had all his ratings, so he could teach me. But something I didn't—I didn't want to do what Daddy did. You know, I was—I was very rebellious in, in that I didn't—not—not not super rebellious in terms of like getting into like bad uh, like alcohol or anything like that. But I just—I didn't want to take the career path that my my dad had laid out. Yeah, sure. Right? Because full disclosure, not only was my dad a pilot. My grandfather was And so is his dad So I'm technically Fourth generation Airline pilot Which is pretty that's nuts so cool Yeah it's nuts man Right so like Fourth generation You go back and think About how many years That's like right after The Wright brothers Yeah Right like Not and I shouldn't say Airline pilot But fourth generation Pilot it Sure It really would be but anyway, so grew up doing that, uh, flew here and there, did little you know, flights with my dad, didn't really take it super seriously, went to college. Uh, his base uh, closed down, moved to another state uh, in North Carolina, and then right when that happened was 2008, which is when I started looking into North Carolina colleges. So I moved to North Carolina uh, and well, My whole family moved, but my whole family being myself, my dad, uh, and my mom, because I'm an only child, and that kind of ties into a little bit of what uh, we'll talk about later. But we moved to North Carolina. I looked at North Carolina schools, went through college, got my degree, uh, came out, and then worked in an office for almost a year, eight months, something like that, and absolutely hated it. I I couldn't do it. It was was something I, I remember very vividly looking outside at the construction workers and being like... I wish I was them. Right. Isn't and, that a funny thing yeah. how that happens? Right. And, and it's, you know, now that I'm older, that was, uh, 10 years ago now, 11 years ago, perspective is everything. Right. So, so maybe they, they had a lot of things that they didn't like about their job and wish that they were up there in the office with us and vice versa. Right? It's, all is about, yeah, it's, it's right. It's all about perspective. But at the time I was like, you know, I think I'm gonna take this flying thing seriously. So I was 22 when I really, 22, when I really started getting into it. And then, uh. I went and got all my ratings, uh, and then worked my way up through the chain, and uh, taught for a long time, taught for like two and some odd years, um, and then went into the airline. So I got hired a, a, a regional affiliate for American at first, based out of Raleigh, where I, we lived for a while. Then they closed that base down. Didn't want to commute any more than a little bit of a drive. Um, so I changed airlines. Went to another regional affiliate for american which is who i'm with currently mm-hmm. piedmont airlines i don't mind sharing that that's yeah fine. sure um they're a wholly owned subsidiary of american and uh have recently so i flew that with them for a while sat as a first officer which isn't for people that don't know about flying which is in the right seat they're second in command technically sat there for almost two years um always total. in the right seat yes I, in the right I already seat. learned something i didn't yeah, know that yeah yeah it's so really always cool. in the right seat. yeah so so the way it starts is you get a type rating in the airplane which lets you legally fly the plane but you are technically not in command of the airplane until you have gotten checked out to be what's called pilot in command it's okay a, it's excuse me oof it's a bit of, <laughs> it's a bit of a process but That's uh, what yeah, I was times. like this, yeah this is bubbly man um, but it's a bit of a process so you get checked out and then you move over to the left seat and then you are in command of nice depends on the size of your airplane but right now it's 50 people 50 up to 54 people 53 people's lives right now that I'm in command of uh, when I go fly an airplane so it's pretty it's No, pretty thank nice. you. Yeah. I
0: that alone is such a cool thing about pilots to me. I mean, I just yeah. I couldn't deal with the responsibility and I think it's amazing that you do.
1: Dude, well, I appreciate that, man, but you know like it's one of those things where I I have kids, right? we've talked about this before the podcast, but yep. I I have two little kids and I and I love them to death. I don't it sounds bad maybe, but I don't think about the people in the back. I think about myself. Yeah. Right? If if something if the shit hits the fan, I'm like I want to get myself on the ground. You're leaving your,
0: your kids right? behind. That's the best kind of yeah. pilot to well, have. Right. And I'm like, I don't
1: I, I don't care about all the people in the back. I do. I'm, I'm professional and I care about, you know, of having course. a good ride and having them be satisfied with their experience. But when an emergency happens, I care about getting myself on the ground because then everybody else gets on the ground.
0: Basically, right? their best insurance policy is your self preservation. Absolutely. And that's Absolutely. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what really and, cool. and
1: I would say ninety nine point nine percent of us are are like that. We all want that. And the only reason yep. I even leave out a one percent or point 0.1% is because we have incidents like that german wings guy who was just he was just suicidal right i don't know if you, if you remember I, that story. I have
0: heard about that and you, you you think about as a passenger especially if you are afraid of flying or whatever you think of what is the worst possible scenario mm-hmm. the thing that i usually take solace in is that there are usually two people up in the cockpit yeah. so that's one thing that it's it's like a, a redundancy I'm thing
1: so glad that you say that because there's a movement right now to limit uh the flight deck to one pilot and no. eventually zero pilots no, uh, it is a movement in Congress right now that there are bills that are being written and tests being done to see what single pilot uh, flying would be like. And it's funny to hear that because everybody I ask about that, the general public, if you will, is it reacts the exact same way you do. They go, How? They go "Fuck no, I'm not going." That's <laughs> so know, like, stupid. What, what if most basic question
0: in the world? What if the pilot has a heart attack? Right, because that can happen to anybody at any time. It doesn't
1: <laughs> matter what your health right. looks like well the the absolutely and and their thought is eventually the technology will be there where somebody on the ground can then safely guide that plane down right well we have mm. drones and uavs and all these things now but you got to think about like not only it's great that we have that technology but, but the ability for somebody to hack that technology exists, right. it's there, and so you're one loophole away, you're one chain from that whole thing breaking, and then a catastrophe.
0: We don't even right? need terrorists at that point. Exactly. They can just, some guy in his underwear exactly. can do it. Yeah, and so it's scary, oh right? And I, and I
1: think, and it's glad to hear you say that, because it, really, it's it's one of those things where I take it very seriously, where I, I think that for the safety of aviation, and also, to be fully honest, the preservation of my career, right? Like, I want- Of course both pilots to exist because if it goes down to one, right now there's an airline short airline pilot shortage. There there are fewer pilots there are fewer yeah fewer pilots and there are jobs. Yeah. Yes. So they need people, right? Cool. But if Might it goes down be to that one way. It, you know what i mean it's we're going we're the table turn it's, not, turns, it's right? not like
0: there's 50% of pilots whatever it is it's probably between 50 and 100% mm-hmm. of what they need so yeah it's like you say if they cut it in half suddenly there's people going to get laid off yeah absolutely
1: yeah and and really what it will start with it we've all been theorizing but we all believe it'll start with is cargo because there's less of a casualty there sure right if something happens right it's boxes and not people right right and that's kind of where we believe that it'll start i don't know that for sure i don't have any concrete evidence that that's where it'll be common
0: sense would dictate
1: yes that's what i would think so so that's where we think it'll start who knows if it'll be five years from now ten years from now inevitably it will happen that they will make this technology happen where it will go down to a single pilot maybe even eventually no pilots but i truly believe that that won't happen in our lifetime or even my kid's lifetime. I think that it will be a long time before that that is vetted enough yeah. that it is something that is viable, if that makes sense. I,
0: I hope you're right. This sounds really morbid and terrible, but I always think I care about myself. I care about my children. I obviously care about my hypothetical grandchildren. But the far, further and further away you get, you're yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't really like, give a shit what happens. Right? Well,
1: exactly, right? Like, I'm thinking <laughs> about my career right now and my and my well-being for my family. Right? Yes. And then I and I try to think about my kids. And then after that, I'm like, well, I mean, you know. And it's like, <laughs> I mean, how long am I going to care about <laughs> yeah, this? Yeah, like, I want to pass on good things, yes. and, you know. But like uh, at some point.
0: It's still, that's, that is a scary thought for sure. And all I can think of, anybody who knows me will know this is a typical Alex reaction, like, but all to save a buck yeah you know what i mean yeah. and it's 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 not i understand the idea of like getting um drivers off the road even though that 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 is also crazy in its own route but i feel like it makes more sense and there's it's not like your one vehicle typically anyway is carrying a hundred people or whatever and, yeah. and and there are there's a fraction of the amount of planes in the sky not even a fraction that there are of cars on the road, Absolutely, so it's like, yeah. is it really going to kill us to keep two human pilots in airplanes? Right. Well, it, no.
1: <laughs> you can go down the rabbit hole with that too, and I'm sure you've you've talked about this as well. But like, there's a there's a, a, a computer problem, an ethical problem with automation right now, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have you have you like looked at this at all? Thought about it? So so with like Tesla and or any automatic car, any self driving car, yep. There's a uh, an ethical dilemma built into that system where if a car it's best interest in the if you put a you know make a car a, a being a sentient being it's best interest it's going to look at your interest right it's trying to keep you safe right but at some point if it has to do something where it needs to also avoid oncoming traffic or there's a decision where it has to like it's like the train track problem right so Met
0: loss of life exactly
1: that kind like, of what thing. what yeah. is what's worse do i plow through 30 people you know in a crowded yeah. street or do i kill my passenger you know and run into a pole right yeah it's and I don't know how to answer that. Right, I don't either. And so, and so that's. And what I'm, I'm saying, also not that, getting into a car that's going to kill me. Well, right, exactly. And so, so, and so, so it's it's there there are people way smarter than me working on these problems, yeah. and I'm and I'm glad that they are. But that that kind of moral and ethical dilemma will eventually translate into the airlines as well, right? Yeah, how does that's a good how point. do these systems handle these emergencies? How do they yeah. handle these things where where maybe a, a plane is unrecoverable? Well, what do they do? Do they you know are they able to get it on the ground at all or are they able you know do they, do they ditch in the ocean what you know like there's sure myriad ways that, that it could turn out so it's it's interesting to think about that that scenario but i don't know i don't wow. know i don't know what the future holds for that so hopefully my job is safe <laughs> <We'll> <laughs> that see.
0: that was okay. a, a really interesting tangent to go down i want to hear as much about your your own personal passion for flying i know you said you said initially you didn't want to do what your dad did and yeah. previous generations yeah. before you and and you moved on. Would you say that now you really do have a passion for flying? Absolutely. Like, yeah. yeah.
1: And I think that that's true of, of anything. I think you can develop a passion. I don't think it has to be something that's innate. I think that there are Definitely. examples of innate passion. I really do. I think that you can be born with something. My dad, for example, from the day he was born knew he wanted to be a pilot. That's yep. all he wanted to do his whole life. Yep. He misses it to this day. He's retired and that's all he wants to do is go back and fly. Right. He misses being in the air myself wasn't fortunate enough to have that innate passion for what a blessing seriously yeah i mean it it is it it is in some ways yeah absolutely so it's 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 given me the opportunity to explore things that that maybe somebody who was very single track minded might not have right so it gives me the opportunity to do these things and i was i'm very thankful for the experiences i've had but to answer your question yes i do i do feel like i truly have a passion for flying now i enjoy what i do and with the new role that i've adopted i actually even more so now enjoy teaching and so i've uh, i've gone away from uh, being on the line and flying passengers to more of an instructor role now which is a recent job change which mm-hmm. is it's pretty cool it's um so when you when it's flying is so strange because in order to build time the way most people get to uh, the 1,500 hours that they're allotted for uh, that they need to fly to the airlines, so 1,500 is the minimum you have to have to get an airline right you've 1,500 hours and then you are eligible to be hired at an airline it doesn't mean you're guaranteed a job but to get that 1,500 hours most people teach they get their certified flight instructor hmm. certificate, and they learn, and then they teach other people. So you have green on green. You have these new people that have fresh certificates for teaching. Yeah. And then teaching people who don't know how to fly.
0: Yeah. Right?
1: It's interesting, but it works. It's a system that's that's worked for, I don't know, hundred years now. You know, maybe not quite that long, but but a long time. You know. Definitely. So. The role that I've moved into now is not teaching um, general aviation pilots. I don't teach your private or your instrument or your commercial or anything like that, but I'm teaching people within my own airline how to operate the plane that I know best now. Cool. Yeah. So, I, so you know what?
0: I want to take that as sort of a, a dovetail off of that conversation. Sure. And I, I, you know me better. I'm not, I'm, I want to frame this and say this in the right way. But anytime somebody gets afraid of, you know, if they're on a plane and like worrying about the pilot or whatever. I know that, especially when you're on big airlines like mm-hmm. American or mm-hmm. Delta and all that stuff, those guys up there can fly that thing with their feet. Absolutely. So that's nothing at all to worry about. And, and I try and remember, for example, when I drive a car, it's literally second nature to me. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm, this just sounds terrible. I'm barely thinking about it. And yeah. that's probably similar for experienced pilots. Now, you have a lot more responsibility and a lot more people but would you say that once you get to a certain point it feels like driving a car or dri- or a boat or any other means of transportation or would you say that it and take off and landing those are like two different totally mm-hmm. animals mm-hmm. but like in terms of difficulty what is it like being a pilot
1: yeah man it, you know it's it's one of those things where it's um it it is kind of like what you say, right? You you get your license to to drive, and it, and it seems really tough at first, but then eventually you have no problem doing it. and You, yeah. can, you can drive with your knees while texting and listening. to that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, Admiral exactly. or whatever, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, Unfortunately, yeah, e, right? yes, I know yeah, what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, that doesn't happen in the airplane, by the way. <laughs> just yeah, just so people are aware. Good, good <laughs> like, to know. We're not we're not sitting there flying with our knees. No, 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 Listening no, to Admiral no. and texting and stuff. But, I love it. Uh, um, no, it does. It becomes it becomes easier. I wouldn't say it becomes easy because. Uh, when you're driving or when you're on a boat, you operate for better or for worse in a two-dimensional environment, more or less. Well, it's still, th- I guess, it's three-dimensional. Really, is what it would be, right? You're, but there's you're, no gravity. But there's no gravity. I know where you're. Yeah, right. Sorry, where you're so, going with So, so flying adds one more element, one more, one more uh, problem, one more force. Yes, to 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 the equation, right? And so um, it presents a lot more variables, right? Whereas in a boat, if you run out of gas, you just float. And sure. you stop right you might be stuck in the middle of the ocean but you float right yep. And at least you're not gonna crash into an iceberg well I mean maybe you will but yeah, yeah. of course. You get your point <laughs> right but or, or a car for that matter if you if you blow a tire you pull off on the side of the road you change it right and then you keep going your merry way but in an airplane it doesn't work like that right you you uh, run out of gas you what goes up must come down you have to land yeah it's gonna it's gonna happen it doesn't matter once you rotate once you pull off the ground You're coming back down. Yep. Whether you like it or not, whether
0: whether it's going to be a catastrophe or a success, (laughs) you're coming back back to your
1: question. Yeah. So, so I do think that yes, eventually you do get a sort of uh, familiarity with it. You do get better at it. You feel more comfortable with it. But then there is a new situation that happens every so often where you're like, oh shit that's something that I haven't really experienced yet and you get to you know put a notch in your belt and be like cool I've got that experience now right like uh, I've had not to scare people but I've had multiple emergencies I was going to ask with. you yeah, it, it, you yeah. Know,
0: okay David I'm engrossed now I can talk to you for another <laughs> hour I want to eventually move on to the other things sure. that we've we talked about <laughs> sure, but that yeah. being said yeah. I do want to ask you I was going to ask if you've been in any emergency mm-hmm. situations mm-hmm. if you are able to disclose any of them and talk about sure. them at all yeah. yeah
1: no I can talk about all them actually it's, it's funny they're all public Every, yeah okay like I've, every time i've declared emergency you can see that it's it's something that has happened and, and it's totally fun to talk about. okay cool um the uh a couple of the ones that i've had and some of the big ones i've had um well i'll talk about this one first because it's funny i've had the gear not com- <laughs> the gear not come up which i laugh because it's a much better problem than it not coming down definitely right yes so we were taking off out of jacksonville florida in the summer uh and i went to go put up the gear and it didn't come up it was just stuck down which it's totally fine, really. It's not really even an emergency, right? Because you're just like, well, hey, I have landing gear, but the, the problem Air resistance. It, that's exactly where I was going, yeah. is that you, you burn more fuel with that down, so okay. you can't really make it from point A to point B. Because unlike a car where you just fill up all the way, planes don't fill up to the brim. If that makes sense, they're, they're not—they don't put all the gas in there that they can totally handle because they have to have a passenger load, they have to have a cargo sure. load, they have to have the ability to carry these things from point A to point B. And if they—if they fill up all the way, they may have to bump passengers, like especially in the regional world in which I operate, smaller airplanes. If they add all the fuel, they might not be able to take off on the runway that they are trying to get off of. I have never thought of this. Yeah. This, and,
0: and it's like simple math.
1: Yeah. And I can go way down the rabbit hole, but, wow. but suffice to say that there are restrictions on, on uh, the, the height that you have to be able to clear taking off out of runway. It's actually 35 feet that you have to be able to clear at a certain point. And you have to be able to accelerate and get over to mountain. And it, it goes way down the road. There's, there's a yeah, lot yeah. of stuff that you can add on to this, but, but, yeah, so the, so, anyways, going back to the gear problem, having the gear not come up, much better problem than it not coming down. We literally just turned right back around in Jacksonville and, and landed the airplane and called it a day. Jacksonville, Florida. Not, not, I mean, not the best place in the world, but there's worse places to be, right? Yeah, so, yeah definitely. Know, like, uh, it was fine. Uh, I've had... Uh, on my... F- Initial operating experience on my first airline. So one of the first times I was flying this jet We had what was called a bleed leak Uh, and it's it sounds bad and it is bad There's air that gets routed from the engines to the wings at least in my airplane It's not like this for every airplane, but this is how mine works that uh, it you it's that hot air is then used to de-ice the wings Oh, that's so cool It's used to de-ice the wings and the tail and the horizontal stabilizer on the left side And then the right side does the right wing only right at least in my airplane. Yeah, this is airplane specific so we were taking off out of Toronto Climbing through 10,000 feet and we got ice and then we had a bleed leak, meaning like the air that was supposed to be de-icing the wings was not getting to those wings. So that's a bad thing. That's a bad day i'm right? getting like, chills just that's thinking a bad about day it. right yeah so the you go through you have a book basically it's called a qrh a quick reference handbook that you go through this is a problem that's been documented you go through step by step by step to try and isolate there's literally a it's it's a book. troubleshooting troubleshooting it's exactly oh what God. it is it's a manual you literally just go back line by line you don't do anything other than that you go line by line you try to figure out the problem well we couldn't figure out the problem we went line by line we did everything we could we still had the indication of a bleed leak it's an emergency we got to turn around to land so we had to declare an emergency turn right back around in toronto come back through ice we we were you know accruing ice accreting ice and then we were coming back down we had to get more to get land back in toronto but that was a better choice than continuing to dca which is where we were going washington national because en route we might have accrued, accrued more ice right yeah. like and then we might have had to come down and have that carry that ice all the way with us to dca where we could have stalled out yeah right so so and yeah it, it goes it goes down the rabbit hole I man that was another one um turn back around toronto no problem landed it was fine and, and the airplane was ended up being okay Everyone was fine but when you see flashing lights and passengers are like what the hell's going on well yeah exactly. we inform them the best we can but still it's it's hard
0: i would be one of those people and, and i and i put my trust in the pilots always and i also realized that as a passenger there's literally nothing i can do so i just yeah. bet the the ter- my terrible solution and this is appropriate coming from craft heads podcast if you struggle with flying or if you have jitters at all, have a drink. Yeah. Either. Sure, I am dead. Sure. And I mean a single drink. Yeah. A, mm-hmm. I've gotten so much better because I fly so much now and I travel a lot more, but, and it's really not an issue for me, but in historically, a single drink is just like, Oh, turbulence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it just it takes the edge off You know what and, and for
1: people that are they're that nervous about flying really um, if you think about the number of aviation accidents that yep. happen They're they're very few really they're, just look at the data few. Yeah, it is the, the there and and Go back to what we said before self-preservation, right? We want to get on the ground yep. just as bad as you do, right? Like if something happens, we wouldn't take an airplane first of all that we thought was gonna be broken Yep. if we thought it was gonna be a problem we wouldn't have taken it in the first place
0: right yeah that's a, that's a really good point I, you know, we, we have a
1: maintenance log that has so anything that really happens as a big emergency pilots didn't know about that obviously like, we didn't know like oh well there was a chance that the that the gear was not going to come up or there was a chance that we we're gonna have this but you know like we didn't know that stuff right so because so you wouldn't have gotten
0: on we it we wouldn't have got on it we yeah would, we
1: would have flown it i
0: love it yeah. I, sounds like common sense that specific uh perspective hadn't really thought of it yeah. that way i
1: love it before i move on one more real yeah, quick there was a um I don't want to disclose the senator that was on my airplane. Okay. Fair <laughs> um, enough. Because we didn't declare an emergency, but it was very close to an emergency. There are actually two senators on our airplane. Oh, wow. Um, I won't even, I don't even, if I say where I'm going, I might give it away to you. Yeah, so, don't. So, from point A to point B, uh, and we had a, a hydraulic leak. Um, and that is just as bad as it sounds, as well, where we're watching the hydraulic fluid slowly start to tick down throughout the flight. And it was ticking at a rate that, because. We couldn't declare an emergency immediately because it was moving down, but there was no, no loss of systems, right? There was nothing happening at that moment where we couldn't fly the airplane safely to the ground, no problem, right? right. So we were, and we looked at the time and how and the rate at which it was going down and determined that we would still be safe to land. And it was, we made it, we managed to get from point A to point B safely, just fine. However, the guy that came out said we had a couple minutes left of hydraulic fluid and how we continued to fly it would have been a big deal. we had noticed that as well. And we had, brief flight attendant but essentially the hydraulic fluid would have made us lose control of our wings of i was our, i was
0: actually just going to ask you if it had if i was trying to think of what hydraulics would affect the yeah, airplane loses, aside, aside from control, landing gear
1: yeah losing control of the wings is, is a little bit that's exaggerating it. it's it we still you're still able to move them you can push the hydraulic fluid around with the yoke that we have you can still move it but it's it's a it's much more difficult you lose yeah. a lot of things that with, with with that kind of failure
0: almost like not having
1: power steering yes that's exactly what yeah, i was trying to it's, it's yeah. very similar to that okay with with a lot more failures yeah right? okay. and, and yeah, a, a lot more much bigger risk. failures yes. yeah so well that happened we were able to land safely and the senators had no idea that that was going to happen and they Perfect. got off the plane and went to their yeah, you know their like, oh, everything's pieces. fine yeah, like yeah, always right? but it was yeah it was interesting man cool was, yeah
0: wow david I, I i feel like i just learned a lot i hope our <laughs> listeners did as well i'm sure they did because the the life of a pilot it's it's not like common knowledge you know yeah. what i mean unless you yeah. know somebody who is so that's exactly what the whole point of this is and i appreciate you sharing all of that with us
1: if anyone if this is honestly if anyone would ever like to reach out and ask questions about flying there is a mentoring group that i'm a part of called professional pilots of tomorrow mm-hmm. it's the ppot.org i'm a mentor of that group you may not get me as a mentor but you will get somebody similar to myself that has experience if you're interested in flying and you just want to ask questions it's a great group of people to to kind of uh to pick at their brains that's awesome that yeah. seems
0: like a thing that i that does seem to be common among most pilots is they're proud of what they do they like what they do uh i, I remember the one time this was i guess it would have been may of 2018 i think i remember i posted a picture i was te- no quote unquote flying an airplane mm-hmm. and you commented on it. you're yeah. like dude what are you doing yeah, like, are you? Yeah, yeah. and yes i was holding the the steering wheel or Yoke, or yoke? yeah, I was gonna say okay, yeah, the yoke, and uh, obviously, I wouldn't have known my ass from a hole in the ground <laughs> as far as <laughs> landing and taking off goes, but I was actually holding it and flying the plane. It was a tiny little Cessna, it did it, but, it,
1: starting, but it was terrifying, but it was really cool, you know. And that's and that's yeah. that's the kind of experience that some people have, not everybody, some people have that experience and they get some hooked. and other people are yeah. like, no, fuck that, I won't touch that with a yeah. 10 foot pole, you know what I mean? And
0: like, and in and, and something that tiny, I mean, they're just those columns of like Absolutely. hot air and everything, yeah, it, it was you real, it a lot more, yes. Definitely.
1: Yeah. Uh, feel free to check that stuff out. Cool. You know, you're welcome to reach out and, and see what you know if you have any questions. Yeah. And also, lastly, too, if any of y'all are ever getting on an airplane, don't feel like you can't look up front or say hey to the pilots. It's um, after 11 I feel like a lot of people feel like it's not okay to even look up front. They just want to turn and just keep you know going yeah. to their seat. If you're ever interested, you can poke your head up and say hey. You're welcome. That's really to awesome. Anytime. Yep.
0: That that is one thing I always take the time to do was when i'm getting off the airplane i look for the pilots usually they're standing there yeah, but if not i them.
1: always thank them yeah i'm like yeah. you got me on the oh, ground safely. That's, nice, that's, that's, that's and seriously really, that's really a. I nice. yeah. i mean it's huge but we love to have that conversation with people cool. especially especially little kids so if they want to come up and sit you know and check yeah. out stuff we'd love to have them oh awesome. that's
0: really awesome yeah i'm glad you shared that yeah so david part two here is about the fact that you I I'm yeah, just sure. sitting here listening. You you listened to me before the podcast about all my bullshit. Yeah, I want to no, hear dude, your interesting fine. stuff. No,
1: so so I, I I kind of alluded to it earlier, but I, I grew up an only child and and um my parents didn't plan for me to be an only child. It was um uh, due to fertility issues. And so they uh my parents started trying to have kids in 1979. 1979. Um yeah, 79. And they tried for ten years, um, give or take. I mean, you know, like they they tried for I would I would say eight years naturally, eight and a half years naturally. They, you know, without anything really. I mean, maybe some you know voodoo magic here and there trying to make it. Yeah, exactly. They're right? like, like, why not? Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know. That's <laughs> gonna yeah, But they tried. They tried. You know, for for eight years or so, and then they switched to. Uh, There's a lot of moving around and, and all. I have a, a website and things that I, actually Alex has helped me work on and and I can I can uh, show people to reference to, but um, they ended up going with with fertility treatments right and so this was a pretty new technology at the time there wasn't a lot um there had been uh some things going on with it but there wasn't a lot so louise brown was the first uh, mm-hmm. child born from fertility treatments uh and i can't remember the exact year now i'd have to look it up i think she's 10 years older than me so i think the I very think first right. yeah i think the very first uh, child born from fertility treatments is i'm 30 so she must she's 40 or 41 so it's very it's a, it's a still a fairly new technology right totally. in, in, the, in the in the grand scheme of things so there's not a lot of us around uh i mean it's growing it's happening more often now but but it's a very unique especially for those of us that are in our 30s right now there is you know it was very few and far between but it caught on like wildfire right because people were like wow i can't have a kid naturally if you will but we can use these treatments to help get a child to help have you know a um, I don't want to say natural child but but to have a child and basically
0: it's like a facilitator a
1: facilitated child yeah. I guess is a good way to say it, right so so they tried for ten years eight, eight years or so into that they 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 started going to these fertility drugs and uh, and treatments and what they ended up uh, landing on for me when I was I was born in Pittsburgh uh, obviously and uh, there was a doctor there that uh, was um, working on these trials and on these drugs and things I was one of the first. Uh, in fact, I may even have been the first. I can't say that for for a fact, but I was one of the first children born from these fertility treatments at uh, University of, of Pittsburgh yeah. The Hospital. Right? H- yeah,
0: tremendously reputable medical school for anybody yeah. who doesn't know. Yeah,
1: yeah. So that was I was one of the one of if not the first. I don't know that first for certain, yeah, sure. you know, but but very very early on. Um, and so my parents were very obviously very thrilled with that, but it was. Um, all that they could have. That was it. They, were, they tried, they tried some more, but it, that was, that was it. And not for lack of trying, but also for money. Man. It's a lot. It's, it's very expensive. expensive as yeah. hell. I was talking to a friend of mine who's actually trying it now. $15,000 for oh my God. one round. Oh my
0: God. And my oh parents, my parents did it for two
1: years and I don't know how frequently it is. now. I think you have to do them every couple of months, but but think about that. $15,000 every that's, couple of months. That's it's, a fortune. Right. Literally. And, and for people that really want a family, they're going to try to make that happen. But it's, at some point you have to say, it's just not going to happen. sure. Right? Um. And so they were thrilled to have a kid. Uh, Obviously, you know, we're we're bummed that they weren't able to have any more, but thrilled to have a kid at all. Tried to adopt after that and then weren't able to because they were too old. The adoption agency told them that they were too old. My parents now, uh, mind you, were in their mid-30s, 36, 37. Yeah. And today, we wouldn't even bat an eye at that. We'd be like, absolutely. Yeah, that's crazy to me. He's a captain of a major airline making good money. They're in a stable family, right? They just had a new baby. They love each other, but... The, the adoption agency said sorry you're too old. Wow.
0: Yep. Late 30s being told that you're too old. That yeah. must have been hard to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Oh it was. Gosh. It
1: was ridiculous. So so uh they that was that was the the story of the birth birth excuse me. I was born via a technology called uh GIFT, which is gamma intrafalopian transfer gamete intrafalopian transfer Okay, which yeah. is a little bit different from IVF. Again, it could go way down the rabbit hole with it, but suffice to say it's just it's a uh it's a more natural uh process where the egg is um fertilized inside of the woman the, so the, the man's sperm is taken and, and injected into the egg directly in the woman so the egg is never removed from the woman if that makes sense yeah sure right? where ivf both the egg and the sperm are removed fertilized in a petri dish and then petri dish and then placed back into the woman where gift wow is, okay is yeah the egg stays in so it's a more natural type of conception however being that that it is it's the lesser of the methods used today. It, it doesn't get used as often. Uh, it's usually the, the,
0: the petri dish. It is like yep. outside.
1: Yep. Okay. IVF, I don't know if that's. I, and I have to. I'd have to look into it more. I don't know if that's for more of a control factor that they can see things happening in the lab, right? Rather sure. Than having to do anything invasive to the woman. But uh, but that is that's the way it is now. The IVF is, is the primary uh, technology that is used to to help with uh, with fertility issues to for wow. conception. So So um, yeah, dude. Uh, so. I my parents are very upfront with me. They they opened up about that pretty quickly. That you know I wasn't quite naturally conceived, if you will. I mean, more natural than I suppose any of the other. Yeah, it's pretty I describe, damn close. But, <laughs> but, but but was, but was still a, an outlier, if you will, right? And and so, this goes down the rabbit hole, and, and we can talk about you know anything you want. But I, as I as I, came to terms with with how I was conceived. I started to uh, question my own mortality, and I started to question my own. Um, Existence, not not in so much as like, do I exist, but like, should I exist? Sure. Right. I I know that I you know I think therefore I am right. If you go back to yeah, the yeah. philosophers, so. Descartes, Descartes, yeah. yeah. So, but but it was a question of should I be here? Right? Sure. Was did we tamper with God, if you will? And I you know and I'm uh, I'm agnostic for the record. I don't. I I uh, I am on my own journey to try and find whatever high power there is that's out there. I don't claim to be uh, any sort of uh, any sort. of subscribe to any sort of religion right now Mm -hmm. i do believe in a higher power if you will but so you're spiritual you're not religious exactly i would say that's probably a better way to describe it uh so i'm still on that journey to try and find this stuff but i've come to more terms with it better terms with it but um yeah so i being a you know in my teens and trying to deal with that stuff was tough man it was tough you know growing up i i I would play with my friends, I consider them my brothers, even to this day, um, you remember Andrew Daigle? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he totally. so, he's one of my best friends, I'm, I'm yeah. the best man that's, at his wedding. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, we're still I'm best so friends to this day, but what, but what was frustrating was, we would, we would hang out, we would play together, it was great, and then they would say, alright guys, I'm gonna go hang out with my brothers now, I'm gonna go hang out with my family, right? And I love my parents, but my dad being an airline pilot was gone, mm-hmm. my mom, she was, bless her soul, I love my mom to death, she was great, but at some point when you're a teenage boy you don't just want to hang out with your mom all the time No, you know what I mean so it was so my friends would go hang out with their with their family Keto with his sister and brother you know and, and I would I would just Go play games. I would sit at myself. sit at my house by myself. And a lot of people would be like, "Well, you're fortunate to grow up an only child because you got all the, you know, the you, only the treatment, right?" I don't think. so. I don't so, think man. any only child has ever said that. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't. I, I wish to this day that I still had a brother and sister. However, I do of consider course. my friends brothers and sisters, right? So, so long story short, I, I, through self discovery and figuring out that this, um, this was an issue that I had, I realized that I probably wasn't the only one feeling this way. And I know that that's an issue that people can feel. Not even being a child of fertility treatments. You can feel that way just existing today in any capacity, right? It doesn't matter how, how you were conceived. You can feel sure. that way. You can just feel disconnected in general, right? And so that this community that I, that I have started, that Alex is helping with, is not just for children of fertility treatments, although that's what it's called. It's for anybody that feels. Like they need uh, a community to to talk to. It's really it's it's totally open. Yes, it's directed at at kids that or uh, adults even that have had these uh, fertility treatments that are from are born from these treatments. But it can be for anybody really. We would love to have anybody talk about it and and you know be able to give their own opinions and stuff. But what the I I want to I want to build a network of like-minded individuals and i feel like it is important to bring us together to discuss these issues that we may have had right i'm not trying to drum up things that people didn't have i'm not trying to create something out of nowhere i don't want you to think like that oh well because i actually had a a cousin my cousin is also born from fertility treatments and I, i messaged i had this group on facebook and stuff and he messaged me and he said hey dave great group but i don't feel the same way you do and that's totally fine that's awesome i'm glad that he never felt that way right hmm. like he i'm glad that he never had the same experience but then i had probably 150 people reached out to me. Seriously, 150 people. As soon as this group went live that said, I feel the same way. I'm part of this. I feel the same way. Yeah. And I've had, I've had these people talk to me about this and it's, it's wonderful that I'm glad that they are able to have some sort of place that they can go to, to have a community to talk about, you know, maybe how, how they grew up and what that meant to them being a child of fertility treatments. So I've said it a few times now, the, uh, the group that Alex has helped me start is called uh, children of fertility treatments, cough And uh, it's, it's, uh, website it's got a Facebook group it's got an Instagram page uh, full disclosure it's I with this new job I've I've been yeah. down on it right now I mean there's a, yeah. I have two little kids and, and I've got a new job right now so there's been a lot that's been going on but I do still intend to bring it to the masses uh, as much as I can I want people yeah. to see it and I want to get it exposure um, but it's important to to have that and the last piece of the puzzle and I know this kind of contradicts what I said earlier is I, I truly don't want to bring um I don't want to start something from nothing I don't want I don't want I don't want people to think that I'm just trying to you know uh, make something out of thin air but I do I am cautiously concerned about the long-term effects of fertility drugs and these treatments on our health I do I have anything on me right now that I believe is a direct you know correlation to or direct you know relationship to the fertility treatments or these you know drugs no I don't think so but maybe in 20 years when I'm 50 There's something that happens where I go, I wonder if that could be associated with these drugs.
0: To your point, this is
1: in the grand scheme of things
0: brand new technology it is we haven't been doing it long enough everybody's coming of age
1: exactly and that's that's, and your cohort absolutely and and as far as i know and and please please, if you know of anything about this correct me if i'm wrong send an email whatever it is but but as far as i know there is no long-term study long-term study following a group of children born from fertility treatments to see what kind of uh, louise brown the first one born was like great she's healthy let's move on let's find something else right but you know from births today most children are born healthy today yeah. right but but that doesn't mean that most children grow to be healthy a lot do i would say you know probably well, i'd say most maybe but there are there's a large percentage of children that have things happen right mm-hmm. that that sure. are, that maybe aren't healthy um so again i'm not trying to create hysteria i'm not trying to like trying to you know make people think about their own you know mortality or whatever but i just think if you if you have if you are a child of fertility treatments and you know that this has happened and you want a community to go to, you're welcome here anytime. Yeah. And also anybody that that wants to just talk about these things, like you yourself, I know you're not, but you're welcome to discuss it because I think it's important for all of us to have, you know, kind of a, a handle on this and figure out, you know, what yeah. it means. I, I
0: think the whole thing's absolutely fascinating. I mean, in my own two cents, you were talking about like the idea of should I exist? And I am in the camp where now if you carry it out to its logical conclusion, my perspective doesn't necessarily hold up it's like basically saying if we can do it then it's okay that's right. not what i'm saying right. but i i believe life is a, is a beautiful sacred thing period <clears throat> and it, you're right maybe your parents didn't have the natural ability to conceive in the traditional way mm-hmm. but we were also given the power and knowledge by something to make it happen anyways and sure. i think that's a really beautiful thing worth it's celebrating so i'm in the camp that i think it's so cool and, and it shouldn't be forced on anybody and uh i'm not telling people who feel differently i'm not telling you you're wrong it's mm-hmm. just i think it's a great thing yeah. and i'm glad you're here
1: well i appreciate it uh, I'm, I'm glad so cool. to be here i i really am i truly am and i think that um i think you're right so i i had a, a um come to jesus moment if you will yeah. I, I had a, a realization that somebody told me once that if god didn't want you here you wouldn't, you wouldn't be here be here right <laughs> that's right and, that, and that, that really struck home with me and, and yeah. i and i had to have that conversation i was like you know what if you subscribe to to believing in God or whatever whatever you know to each their own I don't I don't you know put anybody down that doesn't that's an atheist yeah but if you subscribe to that then that's true right if we believe in an all-powerful being like why would they stop being you know it's what I mean? not like, like or-
0: you can outsmart whatever it exactly, or he or exactly, she made. Exactly, right. Be. I'm just this yeah. little
1: pea-brained, you know, meat yeah. bag that doesn't know anything, exactly that doesn't right. know anything. That's so a, that's exactly you know it. in the grand scheme of things. So yeah, I that was that really helped me, but but that doesn't mean that the struggles that I had growing up didn't count. They still Absolutely they still existed, not. right? And so and so I think that that's important. And ultimately this group, this community, I would love to be a uh, 501c3 at some point to help fund families that can't afford to do fertility treatments. I would love to have that at some point. That's that's a long-term goal. Uh, right now, I want to garner community. I want to bring people in. I want to have a discussion. I want to talk about these things. Um, I know on the podcast, man, almost a year ago now, you had a uh, episode about um, designer babies almost i don't know if you, that, that's kind of a uh, oh
0: yeah that would you genetically modify your yeah, kids yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah, right yeah. that was a listener and patron brady suggested that topic yeah
1: yeah yeah so and that's that's it i mean you can go back and listen to it, but that's a really interesting thing there. the movie
0: gattaca yes, and all that yeah
1: yeah and that's a, and so now who knows where the technology's headed it might it, it very well may be headed in that direction but that is one of those things that that is a tangent off of this this fertility I mean, the, you know the initial goal was to hey let's help families that can't conceive to have babies now it's more like okay these we can get them to have babies well, but can we get them to have babies with blue eyes, right? Like, or can yeah. we get them to have girls instead of boys, right? And and then for or me, it, and not only if, can we, but should we?
0: Yeah, and if we listen, and if you listen to that episode, I'm in the gray area where mm-hmm. it's it's I I try and fall on objectivity, and it's like, can I get rid of a disease? Obviously, yes. Sure. That's a great. That's an objectively a good thing. But then if you start getting into vanity things, and it's like, all right, well making a child isn't like build a bear or at least it, it yeah. shouldn't be to me right you know right, what i mean right. I like i want to see what we create naturally but <coughs> yeah i don't know that's again i i wouldn't put down anybody who has a different opinion from sure mine. It's and, just and, like, and it myself
1: either weird. even being somebody that's born from these treatments you know if that's something that if you feel strongly one way or the other that's great let's talk about it sure right. that's exactly yeah let's what let's even, talk yeah nobody talks right that's what i'm saying we need to bring bring it back together and have a yeah. conversation about it so that's what it's all about man
0: uh this is one of my favorite conversation, maybe my favorite conversation of the year so oh, far. Oh, dude,
1: that, that's super nice. David, really thank you for that. for, yeah, for joining Craftheads today. This was You've freaking awesome. awesome. Yeah,
0: and I'm I'm glad that you are supposed to be in Atlanta more frequently because yeah. of your new job. Yeah, absolutely. So many more to come. Let's do it. Cheers, man. Cheers.
1: Lord. Oh That's horrifying. And then yeah. you can buy a duck head corkscrew that kind of like looks like the sponge itself. Ow! <laughs> Makes sense. Oh, yeah. that's
0: awful. Well, ducks mate by uh, rape.
1: Like they. Oh they, god. They, I they didn't know that. Literally, the male ducks will jump on top of females. You drown know the them. weirdest
0: shit about animals, Tara. They
1: will drown them, mate with them while the female's drowning, and then fly away. So it might be that, you know, like a rodeo.
0: Alright, let's fucking do this. I do. want to
1: shut the door? Sure.
0: Thanks, boo.